The audacity of these straight white male serial killers. I mean, the hubris knows no bounds. None, none. Just the confidence of a mediocre white man for half a second. Speaking of mediocre, Julian (laughs) Pensavale, Patrick Hines. Mediocre at best. Mediocre at the very... I I, I mean... I'm taking it up the oct every time now. (laughs) Hi, girl. Hi, girl. Oh, fam, before we get to the show, hey, we're like two weeks away from Obsessed Fest. Is that right? It's (gasps) right around the corner. Oh, my goodness. Come join us in Dallas, October 20th to the 22nd. I'm so excited about the panels. We've got two days of two different Israel Keys panels with Josh Hallmark from True Crime Bullshit. And I'm just saying, the schedule's out. The schedule's out. So we're listing all of this. Like, go go make your plans. ObsessedFest.com. Click on the schedule so you can see your Taylor Swift sing-along. Yes. Live shows at Night, live podcast tapings from Red Handed. Wine and Crime. Sinisterhood. Sinisterhood. Uh, <laughs> let's go to court. Oh, amazing. Bob Ruff is doing stand-up comedy. He's I doing know. like an actual stand-up thing. I, I can't wait. I hope I'm not booked during that. I want to go. Your Taylor Swift sing-along. It'll we have fun. an auction. We're raising money for these two amazing organizations in Dallas. Fantastic. It's going to be f- obsessedfest.com. Get your tickets. Okay. I'll see you there. Also, fam, join us on the Patreon. I got a couple things to remind you about Patreon. Yeah, well, you can get our Patreon on Spotify now. And it's That's easy. the biggest deal. All you got to do is search TCO Patreon feed on Spotify. It'll walk you through the rest. But hey, fellow podcasters, this is great for you, too. If you don't know about this, get your Patreon feed on Spotify right now. That's where listeners are looking for it. Yeah, and I'm sure your DMs are filled with, when are you going to be on Spotify? The answer is now. The answer is today. So give some good news to your listeners. Uh, Girl, what are we talking about today? Oh, my God. It's an episode of 48 Hours. Season 35, episode 47. I I mean, oh, my stars. Um, I mean, the Golden Girls only got to season eight. I I feel like we've done something wrong here. (laughs) than the Golden Palace, which <laughs> different conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the Dexter Killer. Yes. Ugh. With many serial killers, it's the killing part that they enjoy. And once they've killed the person, they're done. Not Mark Twitchell. I do think Mark Twitchell was using the filmmaking as an outlet to live out his fantasies, and it ultimately wasn't enough for him. And that's why his fantasies crossed into reality. I think Mark Twitchell believes that he is very smart, very methodical, very logical, very level-headed, much like the character of Dexter Morgan. And so I think he got ideas from the show. I think he was drawn to the character because that's what he wanted to be. There's significant links to Dexter. He had a kill room set up with plastic sheeting. He had had a table set up for his victims. He had this kind of processing kit that was very similar to what Dexter uses. All right, we learned about this guy. His name is Mark Twitchell. He's a real piece of work. Yeah, this coming up on goes on forever. I, it really because does. and it's one of those things where I'm like, are we? Oh, is it? Have we started? What's I going know. on? Because I start with Julia Cowley, who's a retired FBI agent slash podcaster. Yeah, former special agent of forensics, current podcaster yeah. on the consult. Yeah, they're all just sort of giving us the overview. We also meet this author. His name is Steve. He wrote the book on the killer. He loves the killer. I mean, like the killer was obsessed with Dexter. When the thing is, like, he was obsessed with becoming a serial killer like Dexter. He's not even a serial killer. Right, but also Dexter, we'll get into the Dexter of it all. <laughs> Were you a Dexter f- person? Uh, I was, yeah. It's a flawed show. It has its problems. Does but it? like, yeah, but it's Michael C. Hall and it's uh, just great. Michael C. Hall is eventually interviewed about this and he is horrified. <laughs> As he should be. Absolutely fucking horrified. So we're in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and yeah. they do this thing where the on-screen text is like Edmonton dot Alberta. It looks like it's three different places, but it's really, it's like, <laughs> the formatting is weird, but yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, Edmonton yeah. is the capital city. 
university in the province of Alberta, which is in Canada. Oh, look, who went to private school and knows how to talk I about Googled it. But it re- I Googled it. But it reminded me of this quote in About a Boy where Hugh Grant just goes, England, the world, the universe. <laughs> well, the story begins in 2008. We learn about a man named Gilles. Gilles Tetro was online on the plentyoffish.com website, which is a, a dating site. Tetro, who was 33 at the time, was excited to meet the woman who called herself Sheena. I was actually late, so I was driving quite fast to get there. She said, I'll just leave the garage door open for you. Now, I'm going to tell you straight up, Sheena is the killer, and but, like, the killer is a man. Yeah. We see the actual pictures of the woman who, who like, he used her images. Where is she? Right. Like, justice for Sheena. I know. And we never learn about, like, the cat, like, we're being catfished right at the top. Yeah. Let me just, I want to go back for a second because the killer, his name is Mark Twitchell. Yeah. We, we won't talk about him, his name again. But, like, oh, for the first time on TV, we're going to hear some of his bullshit because he, like, wrote it all down. Yeah. So he says, like, in one of his journal entries, nobody would side with Dexter Morgan if he went around slaughtering school teachers and mail carriers on a whim and I'm like you're exactly right Yeah, like (laughs) that's what makes him a compelling character he Uh had a code he had the code of of Harry like the Dexter code was was a major part of that show but how did so let me just to get this straight Dexter killed bad guys so Dexter has what he calls I haven't watched the show in a very very long time but Dexter has what he calls his dark passenger and that's like his need to kill so Harry was his dad his adopted dad and he was a cop so Harry taught him how to do this so the code is like number one, don't get caught. But number two... Wait, wait, the dad... Did the dad also kill people? No, no, no. The dad taught him how to kill people. Right, and now his dad is dead, so now we, like, get a lot of conversations. Why did his dad teach him how to kill people? Because he I, can't... Daisy, I'm not doing that no, for no, no. you, girl. But he... But not that I would know, just yeah, to be very He really... Clear. He taught him, like, how to get away with it, because, like, this dark passenger was coming through no matter what, so Harry and uh-huh. Dexter, like, work together to harness it. So the first rule, of course, is don't get caught. But the other rule is, like, don't kill innocent people. So targets must be killers who have evaded the justice system. How do you know who they are because he's he works in blood spatter dexter so he works oh. in miami he's like in the law enforcement yeah so his the whole thing is like okay if if they evaded the justice system killing must serve a purpose otherwise it's just plain murder uh-huh. so the whole point was like you have to get the bad guy that slipped through the cracks yeah and that is the way for dexter to like let out this energy of his dark passenger so plenty this of asshole, those by the way plenty right. of so those. dexter that's why it went on for a yeah. zillion seasons and yeah. then had some reboot or whatever so like dexter's very very busy well, but this, let, that's not what this guy's doing I, right because this guy's I promise you he's not a killer who slipped through the system. He's like, like just a nice fucking guy. So this guy is just obsessed with the show Dexter and Michael C. Hall, by the way, because we see his artwork, his yeah. fan <laughs> art later. But like the thing about Dexter is that like he's not just a, a murderer. Like right. and now I sound like the biggest Dexter fan ever. I, I, I haven't say. watched it in a long time. But I was so struck by this because I'm like, why are they calling him this? I guess because he's obsessed. But the whole point was like right. his code was so like he struggled with the code or he would even have to find evidence where he's like, I know this guy's a dick, but like Harry taught me the code. Like, I really have to make sure that I'm doing this the right, yeah. quote, right way. And that's but, why it's a compelling show. Sure. But but this guy, the Twitchell bad guy here, is just like randomly catfishing people on right. plentyoffish.com. The fake Dexter. It just makes you never want to get on a dating site ever again. Right. Gilles is like my kind of guy. He's like a hot nerd. Sheena is like this beautiful blonde bombshell. Sure. He feels, I mean, you get the sense that Gilles feels very lucky that she's giving him the time of day. And also like immediately. Yes. They match. And then the next day he's on the way. And he's running late to meet her. So he's driving really fast. He's driving really And like he even, Gilles even says, she didn't give me an address, but she gave me very specific directions. She's like, uh, walk through my garage door and then walk through this really dark doorway and yeah. then I'll just be there waiting for you. Now, <laughs> the thing that 
this really reminded me of the Israel Keys thing because like where the killer is directing him, pretending to be Sheena, is a garage, which is basically his murder garage. Right. It's in the middle of a fucking neighborhood. Mm -hmm. He has neighbors. There's another garage connected to this. I remember when we saw Israel Keys' house and his literal murder shed, which was like, you imagine it's like in the middle of the woods because he lived in Alaska. No, it was connected to the house. Yeah. And this guy, fake Dexter, is married with kids. Yes. One kid and newly married. And that's not going great. We'll get to that that in a second. <laughs> so poor Gilles is here and he's like ready for his great date with oh Sheena God. and he follows her directions like walk down the dark hallway and go into this dark creepy garage and when he does he gets immediately attacked from behind some guys in a painted hockey mask okay like but this is the absolute thing that like nightmares are made of he yeah. turns he feels somebody behind him he turns around it's that guy wearing a fucking Jason Voorhees right. hockey mask and he and Gilles goes wow this is no date this is no Gilles. date but the guy oh, the the hockey mask wearing guy orders him to the ground at gunpoint. He takes a piece of tape and covers Gilles' eyes. Now, hot nerd Gilles is, I think that he's been underestimated by hockey mask guy. Right, because Gilles starts fighting back immediately. So I got up and uh, ripped the tape off my eyes. He was stunned that I got up and started yelling at me to get back down on the ground. Instead, he grabbed the attacker's gun. When I grabbed the gun... I felt the gun was plastic. This is the greatest feeling I ever felt in my life because then I knew I had a fighting chance to get away. Gilles goes to grab the gun. Yeah. He realizes it's a fake plastic Plastic gun. gun. And he says, he goes, this is the best feeling I've ever had in my life because then he knows, okay, I really have a chance. I can get out of this. He also says when he stood up, he said the killer was shocked. Yeah. Like that's, you can tell that the killer in his mind had a very specific idea of how this was all going to go. And because he was hit over the head, like Gilles is also shocked. Like he stood up and he's kind of like, he's feeling a a little weak. And again, it's an hour never. Yeah. Yeah, he goes to punch him and he says, I, I couldn't figure out why my punch felt so weak. And he said, like, we learn later, the killer had used a stun gun on right. him. And Gilles is so fucking out of, like, so confused and so scared that he doesn't even feel the taser. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't even know why his arm isn't working. And then the killer, this guy attacking him, goes to grab our victim's jacket, yeah. which is the stupidest thing because Gilles like, all right, thanks. And just slides right out of the jacket then and drops free. He, like, drops to the ground and rolls because, like, the garage door it has, like, you know, two or three feet that it's still he open. He close it all the way. He rolls out and then he says he gets up to try to run but his legs are really weak. Once again, he's been stun gunned. Right. He doesn't even know it. Like a fucking horror movie. The killer like grabs his ankles and drags him back into the garage. Right. Now again if you goog this this is a neighborhood. There are like there are houses all around. Yeah yeah. Like yes a real actual neighborhood. Yeah. So Gilles like not today bitch. He starts (laughs) he just rolls across the garage and rolls himself to freedom. Yeah and he gets in his car and he takes off. Now imagine you're the killer. Like that is not how you thought that was gonna go. I know. (laughs) But like because Gilles is gonna hopefully like rat you out and then you'll be arrested any day now that's not what happens no. and, I, and I understand why I was gonna say I bet this is pretty common Gilles gets home why didn't you go to the police immediately at first I was in shock I said I told myself I'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow came and I was um, I felt so ashamed that I got duped and he says, like, I'm not going to call the cops tonight. I'm going to, like, relax for a minute. I'll call the cops tomorrow. Because the dating site had been deleted. Yeah. Like, the, the profile had been deleted. And so he's just thinking, like, I was tricked. And this is, like, really embarrassing. And that's why he doesn't want to go to the cops. He doesn't 
understand that the guy was definitely going to kill him. Right. He's telling himself that he was mugged, yeah. but he was he very narrowly escaped a very gruesome death. Put a pin in Jill. We'll come back to him later. Right. So now we meet Johnny Altinger and yeah. the same thing happens. So he matches on a dating site profile named Jen. Yeah, this is a month. It's October 10th, 2008. Yeah. And Johnny goes to meet her and then the next day he doesn't show up for work. And yeah. immediately his friends and family are like, wait, like he would never ever ever do this. His brother Gary is here and he's just saying like John was the most responsible person ever in the world. Yeah. So not only would he never not like call and let us know he's okay or like he would never not show up for work the brother and all the friends get a mysterious email from Johnny. We've seen this a thousand a times thousand, before. A fucking email like oh my god. He writes this like goodbye email saying I met this woman named Jen she's yeah. the love of my life we're gonna go live together in Costa Rica I'm leaving today and I'm only available by, by email. And I'll call you at Christmas time. Maybe. Right. <laughs> but I might be too in love. Whatever. But then, like, he's got the best friends because oh his friends God. immediately are like, desperate for some answers. Johnny's friends broke into his apartment. They found his passport and they found dirty dishes and they found everything just like as if he were going to return an hour or two later. He does not keep a clean house. For a guy who seems very responsible, we see pictures. Well, I think His it house was, is about, it's as though I live there. I think it was trashed. Yeah. We'll get oh. there. Because there are days I leave the house that I turn around and I'm like, oh God. Or like, I'll and you're like, like, oh God, someone else will deal with it. Not <laughs> me. <laughs> there are days when I'll like, if I'm on my tour by myself, I will be in my hotel room for three hours and it looks like Johnny Depp was there from the Cannes Film Festival in 1997. <laughs> Remember when Johnny Depp would like take lamps and just break them against walls? Or like Guns N' Roses. Totally. It's like all of Guns N' Roses yeah. was in your hotel room. I will look room. around Motley and be like, crew. I've been here for three hours. Yeah. What did I, how did I do this? <laughs> what, is, what, what have I done? You just walk in and pfft, you just explode. I, I know. <laughs> but they find his passport, dirty dishes, and it, like his luggage was still under the bed or whatever. Like he didn't go to Costa Rica. Just with in this case, woman. like you need to put a super fine point on this. Like he can't get to Costa Rica without a passport, right? Or luggage. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I could be. I could be talked into a. If I could be Jen talked into is on a really whim. like, the, if I just connect with Jen and it's yeah. like we're going right so, now, right like Jen, I'd second. follow you anywhere. Yeah, like yeah. let's go. <laughs> like you get. You have, you have 30 <laughs> seconds. You got to get your passport or your luggage, but you can't have both. Passport. We're out of here, Jen. We're going. I'll get, they have clothes there, right? Who cares? Well, Let's just right go. Now. Off into Where the sunset. Where we're going, we don't need clothes. We don't clothes. need clothes. <laughs> so then they start looking for his car because as we hear from one of the cops, it's a lot easier to find a car than a person. Amazing. Can we just yeah. burn it all down? This you know, is terrifying. It's true, though, because the cop is saying to us, like, all right, if this guy really went to Costa Rica, we'll just go to the airport and he's got a red Mazda. We'll sure. just search it. But I'm like, why do I know that this guy doesn't have his passport, but you don't? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't go to the airport. No. Oh, but the, but here's the thing. Here's how we know that Johnny really was very organized. Yeah. Because he does what, like, most women would do. Yes. On the day he disappeared, Johnny Altinger had forwarded the directions of where he was going to friends. Well, John's friends were concerned. His friend even questioned him on the email. You know, be careful. And John said, yeah, well, here's the directions. And if anything happens to me, you'll know where to look. He forwarded them the directions. Because his friends were like, I don't know about this, Johnny. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, of this course. seems a little bit too good to be true. This, like, beautiful blonde bombshell is inviting you over to her house for a fuck date. And then, and then Jen, air quotes Jen, is, yeah. is really playing up the very valid, like, Johnny, like, I'm sure you're not a weirdo, but I really need to be cautious here. And, yeah. like, you know, I'm not going to give you my address, but, like, here's where we should meet. And so Johnny's like, which, by the way, is the garage. Like, right. He gets directions to the garage. I guess maybe when they're sending the, the direct, when Jen is sending the directions, they're not 
saying it's a dark, creepy murder No, garage. no, no. She's yeah. just like, I don't want to give you my address. Like, I'm sure you're great, Johnny, but like, you know, it's hard out there. And maybe I'm being paranoid, but I have to be safe. This is all completely valid, yes. right? So his friends were very concerned and Johnny was like, look, I, look, fine. I'll be as cautious as she is. Yeah. You'll have all the information in case something happens. Like, this might be weird, but like, it might be great. And yeah. let's just go. So the cops go to the address from the directions and it takes them or right... Or they just follow the directions. Exactly, yeah. right. They just follow the directions. It takes them right to the garage and they learn that this garage is rented out to an individual named Mark Twitchell. Right. Twitchell, then 29 years old, a married man with a young daughter, had used the garage as a set for a recent movie project. Mark denied knowing anything about a missing man or a red Mazda, and he had no problem with the police wanting to search the garage. They question Twitchell right away. He says he knows nothing about a missing man or a red Mazda, and he has no problem with the police searching the garage. Uh, or a movie set. Right. So <laughs> It's also just a garage. It's you know just what I mean? Yeah. Which can also be a movie set, sure. but we hate this guy. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, anything could, be, anything could be a movie set. Yeah. So they see blood, and he's like, nope, that's just a prop. I make movies, you see. And he's saying, like, I f- we've been filming here for weeks, and I've been cleaning up this fake blood for weeks, and I was like, could you just take a sample? Cop, if I look, Canada, I love you. But there's a missing person who is last known to have gone to this address. Right. There's now what you're seeing as blood in this garage, and the guy, the weird, creepy dude who lives there is saying, no, it's fake blood, and you just take his word for it. They can't test it without a warrant. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was Somewhere just gonna let in you Canada, go. a cop was sitting there with his arms crossed. He's Waiting. like, the, the woman's gonna know what happened. You, yeah, they can't test it without I, a warrant. But I'm just saying, tell me you're getting a warrant because, like, this right. is, you know what I mean? But even lucky for them, though, Mark voluntarily goes down to the police station yeah. to be questioned and he's super eager to help. And then the, the voiceover or whatever is just like, at this point, he's guilty of nothing more than wanting to brag about his film career. Oh my God. So honestly, he's just being super annoying about filmmaking. And he's saying, like, I'm working on a comedy right now. It's a full blown feature. It's okay. going to have a $3.5 million All budget. Right. Because we now learn, and I wanted to, like, Goog this. Apparently, his first film, it was a Star Wars fan film. Which is like a year. That was in 2007. We're in yes. 2008 now. So, yeah. like, this has just happened. Mark Twitchell's first film project, a Star Wars fan film, had received some media buzz back in 2007. Word has gotten around that I'm making a $100 million movie for 60 grand. And uh, some production and directing jobs have already come my way. He went a little viral for it. Y- did you know about this? Uh, no. Oh, okay. But <laughs> okay. he's he's like being interviewed, and it's like, yeah, you know, people are saying I made a million dollar movie on a sixty thousand dollar budget. And he's I'm like, a, okay. like a hundred million dollar movie, and I'm telling you, he interviewed himself. Yeah. Because it was filmed. That that interview was filmed on his own film set. There's nobody. He's not talking right. to anybody. He's looking into the camera. Right. He asks himself the question. What is that in? Uh, oh God! In Along Came Polly, where Philip Seymour Hoffman is making his own E True Hollywood story. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like 100% what this guy was doing. And look, I'm big. We say this on the Hamilcast all the time. Like, make the thing. Yeah. I've made stuff from the ground up. Like, make your Star Wars thing. Like, that's fine, but don't also be a murderer. But he sucks, so I'm not going to, like, continue <laughs> praising him. No, You're an artist out there. Like, make your thing and be awesome. I know. I him. just, like, what, like I, 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 I'm just so confused by, like, you were doing so well, it seemed, sir. Right. But then I guess when you have the dark passenger inside oh, you, as Dexter God. would say, like, whatever. Now the cops are like, shut up about the Star Wars thing. Like, yeah. nobody cares. They want to talk about his latest film, House of Cards. To which I was like, did this predate the Netflix series? I know. Nothing about this guy is original. <laughs> I know. He's such an <laughs> asshole. So, and then the premise is that a serial killer in a hockey mask 
lures a man to a garage via the internet and, and kills, kills him. him. Mark. I know. Because you're so bad at this. Stay stupid. We see the cop interrogating Mark about this very thing. And the cop is like, yeah, it's kind of weird that we're, a man came to your garage having been lured there by the internet and now he's missing and you're making a movie in that very same garage right. about men being lured there and then being killed by a masked serial killer. Right. And then he's like, that's weird. Also, what's weird is that, remember how like an hour ago I said I didn't know anything about a red Mazda? Right. I don't know if this is anything, but I bought. I did buy a I red did. car I from did. somebody. I did out of the do that. clear blue sky. This yeah. guy says this. It wasn't my idea that I bought the car though, because here's what actually. Here's the story. The Morning story. Glory. I'm like, what a fucking shitty filmmaker you are. Yeah, I know. You're a bad storyteller. Mark. He tells this story that he's just minding his own weird do, 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 filmmaker, do, 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 <laughs> whistling down the street. Oh, what a lovely day we're I having. <laughs> I can't whistle. You so hate I can't. him because you made him a whistler. And remember, Jillian hates whistling more than anything, fam. <laughs> You I can't do it. it. I, do, I strongly despise You listening. really don't like whistling. But he says... This guy uh, taps on my window, you know, hey, buddy, do you want to buy a car? I have shacked up with this really rich lady, and she's going to buy me a new car. So I'm just looking to unload buying. How much do you have on you? And, uh, Mark claimed he bought the red Mazda for just $40. You look like a guy... Who could use a red Mazda. <laughs> For 40 bucks. For $40. That's the kicker here. I know. He said, I have a Mazda. You look like you have $40. I, I Want to trade? Because he says this, according to the killer, the guy says to him, I just met this super hot lady. Right, who's we're gonna, going to Costa Rica. We're going to Costa Rica. She's buying me a car. Car schmar. I don't, I need, don't a need a car. It. Here's mine. <laughs> Where we're going, we don't need cars. We're, we're getting so much closer to the actual quote of Back to the Future. I know. It's just like, I feel like this cop, what's a little bit frustrating to me is that like in the interrogation it looks like the cop is kind of falling for it I don't think he is no. I just think you have to make the idiot think you're falling for yes. it because he's like oh my god that is that is, that is it interesting. is weird that one hour ago you said you knew nothing about a missing right. monster but now you actually own one and you bought it for 40 bucks yeah it's not that, important but thank you so much for sharing totally. that tidbit in your life I feel like I'm really getting to it's know you definitely not a major breakthrough in the case for us so as they're no like doing worries. the high sign I know. Um, but he this guy just keeps giving them more information he keeps going to meet them without yeah. a lawyer and he keeps letting them like come in and like keep searching the garage. Right. So the cops are like, this bitch is involved. Like we know he is. But and there's... we finally see the cop get to say to the guy, I know you did it. Yeah. But there's no hard evidence right now. Yeah. So they go and talk to the actor from the movie. The the guy who played the person who was murdered yes. in the killer's garage. Yes. They go talk to him and he's like, that was weird. But here's my question about the timeline because the cops say, like, we see the moment where the cop is like, I know you were involved in Mr. Attinger's disappearance. Do they then have to let him go or are they holding him? They don't tell us what that I timeline know. is. Because that would be, I mean, then he'd be a flight risk if you just say like. I mean, eventually he is let go because eventually we see them get him later. I get more theater. My yeah, oh my, <laughs> st- I cannot wait to get to that moment. <laughs> but we see the, the actor's name is Chris Hayward. And he says like, I, this is so, I don't understand the way actors work. Yeah. Because it seems like Chris, did he audition for this or did he just like answer an ad? Because he's like. My character was killed with the samurai sword. They said they would have a mannequin or a dummy to run the sword through. And when I got there, there was none. I looked at the, the weapons. That was my first sign. When I saw that they were real, I thought, 
this is off. And they go, why didn't I tell somebody where I am? There was no dummy, and also all of the weapons were real. He used the word weapons. Weapons, like swords and shit and all this stuff. So he leaves unharmed, but he's completely creeped out by it. And yeah. this is pretty valuable information. Because he also says, as he's letting this guy tie him to the chair, why did I tell nobody where I was going? Uh-huh. How does this work? Like, I know. Do, like, I guess this guy doesn't have an agent. I guess you just, like, you uh, you see something on backstage, sure, weirdos.com. Craigslist or whatever. And you like, just go? Yeah, because it's such a hard industry to break into. And, and the you're whole, like, like, I'm a big strapping straight guy. Like, no one's going to fuck with me. But yeah. then you're letting this guy tie you to a chair. Like, oh, my God, just everyone pay attention to your instincts. Like, there's no mannequin. And the weapons the weapons are yeah. real. And this man is tying you to a chair in a creepy garage. And also, on top of that, Chris, our actor, confirms that there was no blood used on set. So that right. whole, like, oh, that blood over there, that's prop blood. The blood yeah. that they couldn't test without a warrant. It's it's blood. Because it's the real cops blood. say to him, like, oh, yeah, actor, by the way, there's blood all over the place. The director is saying that's all the fake blood from your scene. So, like, how much fake blood did you guys use? And he's like, zero. Yeah, what do you mean fake blood? I mean, I, if everybody in that moment didn't, if their blood didn't run cold. I know. You know? I know. And then even worse. So, this is, the cops are like, okay, we have more. We're going to start searching his place yeah, now. Yeah, They find this asshole's laptop. There's a file that was deleted. Yes. But they recovered it because nothing's actually deleted. Called SK Confessions, which, as in serial killer confessions. Which is like, did you really think we weren't going to figure that out, you I know. fucking moron? Like, you got blood all over your murder garage. Right. You like, know? please. So it's the, quote, plot of this House of Cards movie. Like, it's the events that actually happened in real life, but he's writing it down. And the cops are like, is this a confession? A written confession? Because he says... One of the first lines he says, I'm not sure when I decided to become a serial killer, but it was a feeling of pure euphoria. SK Confessions told the story of a man who was lured to a garage and stabbed to death. A plot strikingly similar to House of Cards. Why did he delete it, I wonder? I mean, I... Why? Because it's a written confession and the cops know know what's going on. Why? No, I... I guess that's true. Or his wife got a little too curious about what was going on around the computer. Like, Uh why? Uh, I I strike the question (laughs) of the record. But you never know because sometimes they don't. Who knows? I know. I don't know. This guy, it seems like he wants to get caught. Probably when Giles ran away. Yeah. When he got away, he probably thought, okay, he's going to go tell on me. I mean. So let me delete it. Can you imagine, too, like every morning for the rest of your life that the cops don't show up? This guy didn't go to the cops? Like, oh my. You were going to kill this guy. Yeah. Oh my God. You dragged him back into the fucking garage like a horror movie. Where was his wife? I don't know, but the cops talked to her. Her name is Jess. <laughs> I know. Mark, they call her Mark's unsuspecting wife of two years. They the go into the thing. house, and once again, we see the footage from inside the house, and, like, the house is just a wreck. The marriage is a nightmare. They're newlyweds, They're by the newlyweds. way, and they've got, like, a new, like, like, a young kid. He's living in the basement. She's living on the first floor. It doesn't seem like it takes a lot of convincing. They say, to, like, they say that they say to her, there's a missing guy, and it's probably a murderer, and we think your husband had something to do with it, and then the Cop is like that, but that's all we told her. We didn't tell her anything else. And she's like, "I'm like, you told her. Sir, there's nothing you else. You told to her tell everything. Her. You told her everything. You told her everything. I mean, except for the red Mazda, I guess. But I like, guess she's doesn't seem surprised. No, and I think I can't imagine that it was a, a happy place for her and her daughter to be. Like, no yes. way. They had been living in basically sleeping in separate bedrooms. She was basically living on the main floor. He was living in the basement. So there was obviously troubles in paradise there. We knew that. Twitchell had been having an affair with an old girlfriend and lying to his wife about having a job. He found out that uh, he was telling his wife he was going to work every day. He had no job. How do you lie 
about having a job they, and then. They explain that, like, because I do think he had some kind of, at least, like, momentum behind him from that first Star that Wars movie. thing, yeah. And I gotta say, like, in watching the, like, the one 30-second clip of B-roll, it looked high production it's value. It's hard work. It's hard work. It looked good. They say that he was able to convince his friends that he was getting, like, momentum in Hollywood, and so people were investing in his film company, and basically he was just living on his friends' money. So he's saying to his wife, who he hates, I'm going I'm to work every day. I'm going to work for the day. He's getting his, like, dumb friends' money, and then he's going and, like, hooking up with this other girl and, like, living off money from other people. Right. So he's scamming his friends into investing into his movies, but the way that they'd hand over all this money is that he would lie and say that he's working in Hollywood. And it's right. like, well, then you wouldn't need, like, Steve's investment. I, you wouldn't it, need, like, your friend down the street. You know what I mean? I if you're know. working with these big Hollywood producers, they take care of them for you. It's also just, like, a matter of, like, what, like when people give money in a situation like that, why aren't you getting some sort of... Paperwork! Some, some sort of proof that, like, this shit is actually oh happening. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? You, I mean, yes. Yes, <laughs> a thousand times mean? yes. The thing is about this guy, though, he was living about a hundred lies and then writing them all down. Like, this SK confesses, <laughs> and like... I'm curious as to why... But why did he delete it, Julian? I, I can't wonder. figure it out. <laughs> and he was also very vocal about his love of the show Dexter, but more more than just the show, the character of Dexter. I heard Dexter wasn't that good. Um, the John Lithgow season is great. The Trinity oh, Killer is pretty good. Lithgow's in my book. I love him. Yeah, he's terrifying. I like had nightmares about him is watching that, that season. Right? It's a really Lithgow good Lithgow can do anything. Season. The Harry and the Hendersons guy was terrifying. I know. It was he was very scary. Wow. Third Rock from the Sun, underrated. Yeah. Such a good show. <laughs> really? I love that show. I never that was oh, not on Kristen my... Johnson won the Emmy like every single year. Yeah, she's great, but uh, I just that, I I don't know for some reason I missed it. It just wasn't on my Lithgow. Was that must see TV or whatever? Maybe. I don't know. Um, what about 90s? I don't know. But I will also say that in this SK Confessions thing, the document police had found in Twitchell's laptop titled SK Confessions also referenced a crumbling marriage and secrets. It read, and went through great lengths to bring my wife over to the comfortable belief I wasn't cheating on her. He also brags about being able to convince his wife that he wasn't cheating on her. And I feel like if you're the wife, you're like, go fuck anybody but me. Yeah, I just don't Get think that's true. <laughs> I, don't I also don't think that's true. Like, I think she had an inkling. Like, this yeah. is his little personal fantasy world. Well, like, I just don't buy it. I also think that if you are, who knows, Je- Jess is her name, who knows what her story is. How terrifying, when you are living with somebody and right. they have they they have it in them to kill people, I feel like it's, like, you can't deal hide breaker. it. And then sometimes we hear stories where it's like, we were married 30 years and I had no idea. It's yeah, like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. I feel like he... remember the Gacy one where we hear him like fighting with his wife. Right. Remember the tapes? Of him, oh my like, god, that was like they like, just hated each other just so much. And like, how could you not? How could you not? How could you not hate Gacy? I forgot that he was married and the tapes of them fighting. Oh, oh my, my god. god! And then she would like, yeah. Anyway. Now we meet the second most problematic person in this episode. One of the most problematic people I think we've ever encountered. So let me just paint this picture. Okay. The killer is, quote, like, posing as Dexter online. So like he has a Facebook page as Dexter Morgan. Right. Or, like, sometimes it would be the killer's picture, but, like, the name would be Dexter Morgan. Uh-huh. Like, people do this shit all the time. But he was creepily acting like he was Dexter, and that's when Renee, Dexter's super fan, comes along. I'm going to go ahead and give her a garbage bell. Yeah, so she's a super fan of Dexter, and she 
she wanted to be fake Dexter's friend because they start chatting and Mark's like, ha, ha, I'm not actually Dexter. And I'm right. like, right, Dexter's a fake character. <laughs> right. But but he tells her that she, that he is a filmmaker and she's a writer. And she says, like, she thought it would be like a work. Like, she sees it as some kind of a connection. She calls it like a working friendship because he's telling her, like, oh, my God, I went viral for two seconds in 2017 right. for the Star Wars thing. Like, I can really help you. I'm sure he's feeding her. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a writer. I'm a filmmaker. Uh-huh. Like, we, I know all these Hollywood people. When you like people say whatever the fuck they want online. And so she's kind of falling for it, but also kind of like feeding into it. She also says that they would talk several times a day and their interactions were flirtatious. Very, very flirtatious. It's all fine sure. until it isn't. Their email exchanges soon became dark. We talked about, you know, serial killers and, you know, the psychology behind a serial killer. At the time, Renee was upset with her ex-husband's new wife. And I wanted her dead at the time. She wanted this woman dead. She, but she Renee hated this woman. To the point that she admits to wanting her dead, but she couldn't do it herself. And to me, I watched it, I've watched this three times now. Yeah. She it doesn't sound to me like she's saying, I, I wanted her dead as a euphemism. She's saying I wanted her dead and I I couldn't do it, but maybe there was another way. That is one of the reasons why she wanted to be friends with this guy. It sounds like, and I didn't read all of their messages, but yeah. it sounds like the sexy flirty talk. Yeah got to be like sexy murder flirty talk and that to me is really gross. But that shit is also real. Like people then go and commit murders in right. situations like that. But like that. the way what I'm gathering is that the way they were flirting and because he's like Dexter, right? Uh-huh. So she would be saying like I re- like I hate her like I couldn't do it but like Dexter, how would you do it? I mean she ah. literally said I wanted her dead but I couldn't do it. at no point does Renee say I mean I I I saying I want but I just didn't really right. hate it her. It looks really bad out of context but, but the context no, is that like I this think Renee is acknowledging that she wanted this woman actually dead. Right. And she is saying like, so I asked fake Dexter, like how he'd do it. I mean, she's asking for a method and he says straight out of out of Dexter, you have to cut her up into little pieces and then dump her in the fucking lake. Yeah. Like you have to like, actually kill her. This is how you would do it. He just describes a kill scene from Dexter. And like, to that's me, I'm like, if Renee's ex's girlfriend is watching this, aren't you fucking terrified? terrified? Yeah. And like Renee, I, I don't know how they even found Renee. I guess because the internet is forever and they were just like in his Facebook DMs or whatever. Right. But like, because then also Mark tells her, Mark the killer tells her over Facebook DMs or whatever. He said over the weekend he did something and he liked it. I crossed the line and I did something and I liked it. And what did you take that to me? That he killed somebody. What other line is there to cross? And she says murder because what other line is there to cross? And then she goes... And that's when the red flags went off. That's yeah. when the red flags went off, that's Renee! also not when she picked up the phone and called the fucking cops. She right. does eventually, but not soon enough. And I think there's like a really kind of scary, dangerous gray area where it's like the safety of, of communicating behind a keyboard uh-huh. and being able to say whatever you want with no repercussions and just sort of living out this fantasy of being Dexter Morgan, which is not the same thing. Because if you were living out the fantasy of Dexter Morgan, it would be like this rapist that got away. Uh, right. Let's kill them. Right. Or whatever. But, but like, not she, like... She fully believes that this she believes him that that he killed somebody right 
Right. And like, they just went, oh, And he God. tells her, he says, there's a major missing persons case slash possible homicide around the area where I've been working. So, of course, the police have tossed my house, impounded my car. No fun considering they won't find anything. So this is the murder of Johnny Aldinger. Yeah. The, fr- the guy who went away but told his friends, like, here's all my information. He then supposedly went to Costa Rica. Like, right. that's this is the, the murder of Johnny. But it would take Renee five seconds to Google that and find out, like, hey, are there any missing people around where this guy right. who admitted to... Like, who I believe killed somebody lives and works? Because he's telling her about the murder. He's talking about the investigation. He tells her about the car. He tells her about the lies yeah. he told. The floodgates are open. Like, she could have went to the cops at any time. Exactly. And I think, though, I think eventually she does. She does. They tell us that she does eventually go to the cops. But, like, Renee, how many other people was he going to kill in between now? Even if you have a suspicion that this guy killed somebody, just drop a dime anonymously and say, could you go check him out? Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Here's our communication. The cops could have immediately matched it and been like, oh my God, there is a missing guy in this area. You know what I mean? Yeah, instead of like murder flirting or whatever. he's still luring people to his murder garage to try to kill them. I'm just saying that like... Right. It's like not fun or sexy. It's not at all. And like, I I get the sense that they thought it was and that to me is like, barf. No. So the cops now get a real breakthrough. They found Altinger's blood in Twitchell's trunk. When we got the word that uh, the DNA matched... We briefed our tactical team, our, our arrest team, and we had officers ready to make the arrest. The DNA in the trunk of Twitchell's car matches Johnny Altinger. And so we learn on Halloween morning in 2008, we haven't even talked about this yet. No. There was this whole five minutes about how the killer loves to make really elaborate Halloween costumes. He was putting the finishing touches on his Halloween costume at his parents' house in 2008 on Halloween morning. Because I'm just saying, earlier in the doc, we got a moment of like seeing all of his like really elaborate. That's great. If you're that creative of and you course. can like make things like it. that, like that's really wonderful. That's awesome. But oh my God, he's in the basement working on his Halloween costume and the police, they get busy setting a trap. So what they do is, and it's like, you know where he is, just run in and arrest him. But I guess we're being theatrical. You know, the thing I I actually thought about this too, because they want to lure him from the house. And I was thinking maybe they thought he would take hostages. So maybe they really are doing a good thing here. But also the theater. I really do appreciate the theater. Halloween morning. Great. So they have someone go online and pose as this rich investor to get the killer interested and willing to meet up. Yeah. So they lure him to a coffee shop three blocks away from his parents' house. But en route. And the minute he like the minute he steps on the lawn, they're like, go, no, go, 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 go. And they tackle him yeah. and, and arrest him. And one of the cops was like, tough guy, Mark Twitchell, peed his pants. He was so scared. And it was a little uh, taste of his own medicine, I guess. He peed his pants. He was so scared, you guys. <laughs> he peed. He peed, he peed his pants. Right? Dave, am I right? He peed. <laughs> Tell, I'm telling 48 hours about how he peed. I know. He, he peed. peed. He was so he scared. Peed he peed his pants. He peed. I know. Because the thing is, we do see him in the interrogation room a little while later. Is and he I'm not looking, wearing jeans I'm anymore? I'm looking for the wet spot. The wet spot's not there. Maybe they let him they change. They probably gave it's him Canada. They're pants. nice. They probably let him change. I guess. But this is a pretty easy case because he wrote it all down. Yeah. And we have Renee, the friend. Like, this is pretty open and shut. Yeah, but I mean, like, in the interrogation room, they, they're saying, like, I fucking knew you did this. Earlier they had said, we know you're involved in the disappearance, and now they're saying, we know you fucking killed this guy. Right, and now they're convinced that this SK Confessions document yeah. is, they're all actual confessions, and that it's real, and that it's not necessarily just his fantasy, because yeah. we're seeing the reality of and it. Because, right, and what that tells them is that Johnny is probably dead. Right. Because in this SK Confession document, he describes how he thrust the knife into his God. gut, and he 
says his reaction was pure Hollywood. Jesus Christ. But on top of that, so they're like, okay, we think this is our victim, Johnny. But he also wrote about someone who survived. Yeah. And they need to find this person because this is an invaluable witness, right? Because they're saying, like, he would have served, like, he can, exactly. He can, he can prove everything that we believe to be true. So the cops go on the news and they show the hockey mask. Yeah. They talk about some of the details of SK Confessions. They're hoping this survivor will come forward. And Gilles is sitting on the couch like, holy shit, that's me. Yeah. He wrote about me. And he just says, like, when he saw the hockey mask, that was when he was like, uh, yeah, I... Because it was only a month earlier, but it, it sounds like time went on for forever. I know, I know. Gilles was attacked one month later, Johnny went missing. So it's probably six weeks after Gilles got attacked, he sees the hockey mask yeah. on, the, on the news. And Gilles like... I couldn't believe it. Once you find out the whole story, I knew at that point it was not just a mugging. It was actually, he was probably going to kill me. I'm like... Wow, I I have to go forward now. I have to come forward. He learns that Johnny has very likely been murdered. Right. And he knows that, like, and, like, imagine that mind fuck of being, like, I convinced myself that I was being mugged. I know. And this guy was going to kill me because we then see Gilles sitting down with the cops because the cops are saying, like, all right, you say you're the guy. Tell us what happened. And then we get some more, we get more details of what happened to Gilles. Yeah. And so, like, as Gilles is explaining, like, the whole thing about being dragged, like, he's escaping and he's being dragged back in, the cops are matching it up to what the killer wrote in SK Confession. Right. And they're like, this is definitely the guy. This definitely happened. And so the cops piece together what happened to Johnny Altinger. And what happened, they tell us. And what happened is he lured Johnny in just like Gilles. Yeah. This time, Mark used a lead pipe to knock him out, not stun him. Yeah, they're saying that, like, he learned that the taser didn't work. Because remember, Gilles was able to get away. Right. Then he just reenacts Dexter. He has the table and he has the plastic and he just basically tries to kill him and dismember him like Dexter did to an actually evil person. And at one point, we hear what the killer tells us Johnny was saying to him. As he was hitting him over the head with the pipe, he was saying, please stop hitting me. My skull. Jesus Christ. What a piece of shit this guy is. Yeah. Like, so they, they like, did luminol tests and they found a ton of blood on the floor. And they like found a piece of a tooth. Like, the SK Confessions also said that he broke into John Altinger's house and so, that he sent those emails about Costa Rica from his actual computer. Which is so wild. And then I think he just trashed the place. Yeah. Because the place really did look like... It I, was trash. Yeah. It like, really did look like I had lived there for five minutes. Right. And it's like, hey, asshole, you f- but stay fucking stupid. Yeah. Take the passport and the luggage then. I mean, you're I'm gonna, so glad I you know, didn't. I, I know. Oh my God. That I didn't... That didn't even occur to he me. He wasn't even focusing on I that. I would be even worse than this guy at any of this. I would be... No, you thought to take the passport in the luggage. After the fact. I've watched it six <laughs> times. We learned that he had the faux autopsy table in the garage. Yeah. Following the narrative, police believe Altinger was then stabbed and dismembered on a makeshift autopsy table. The killer then attempted to burn the remains in a barrel, but failed. He tried to burn the remains in a barrel, and that didn't work. And then he thought about throwing the remains into the river, but he was afraid of being seen. Then he writes about, like, having the remains in the trunk of his car and just driving around trying to figure out what to do with them and pulling up next to people at stop stoplights and being like, they don't know I have a, a body in the back <sighs> of my car. That sort of, like, gets him off. Like, that right. jacks him up. Because he... 
like most people in his position, love attention. Right. They love attention or like the thrill of getting away with it or like, I can't believe, like, I think eventually if Renee didn't talk, he would have been like, hey, cops. I know. You want to know what I did? But that's why he like had to dangle the Mazda thing because he need he wanted to get caught. He wants the attention. Right. Yeah. Of course. I mean, like 48 hours, like making an actual documentary about him is exactly what he always hoped for. Right. And so, but at first he's not saying a word, right? Like the cops are driving all over the neighborhood. Because the cops are saying like, you got to tell us where Johnny's body is. Right. do their, and they're trying to talk like film talk to him like come on show us where the body let's finish the film it's like okay and because they're like, filming it too yeah, so yeah. they're trying to make it seem like he's just like and also it's just yeah whatever I hate this guy so he's not saying anything but the cops are checking every sewer they can find because somehow I guess in the writing of SK confession he said that he put the remains in a sewer and then and then that's like the last sentence of it and there's yeah. no more detail so the cops are checking every sewer they can find he's still in custody he's yeah. like awaiting trial weeks and months are going by a year and a half later Mark can't take it anymore he just tells them he draws them a map investigators followed it to an alleyway just a half block away from where they had stopped the search and he had marked an X, X marks the spot, and took it right to this uh, sewer cover here. We could see what looked like pieces of human torso uh, down there. And they find Johnny's body in a sewer. Like, he, he directs that he couldn't wait anymore. The sewer where the body is, is one block from his parents' house and a half block from where they stopped the right search. There. Like, and, like, the, this one cop has been saying that, like, in his off time, he would drive around, like, yeah. looking at, in sewers, just trying to do their thing for the family. I know. And so by March 2011, Mark goes to trial for the murder of Johnny Altinger. And... Gilles is the star witness. Yeah, he's calling him to testify, and Gilles is like, I'm not fucking afraid of this guy. No, hell no. You know, he's like, I got, I beat his ass one time. Yeah. Look, I've done 10 more embarrassing things than getting duped on a map. Like today. Today alone, I've I done know. several embarrassing things that are more embarrassing than showing up and be, and realizing you're catfish. I feel like that happens Catfish all by the time. a fucking murderer. Right. You know what I mean? But like catfish, they're not like, oh, wow, someone online wasn't who they said I- they were? <laughs> Shocking. That's not embarrassing anymore. Like, that's the no. norm. Yeah. Go to the I mean, truly, no jokes intended. If something like this happens to you, go to the police because you you saved somebody else's life. You got away. You don't know what this would have been. You know what I mean? Right, right. So Mark takes the stand in his own defense. He was the only witness called. Of course he does. Of course he I takes mean, the stand. takes the stand in his own. And his story is outrageous. Ugh. He says, I've got an unbelievable story to tell you. He says, no, 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 oh, everyone, yeah. this is just a really big misunderstanding. <laughs> you don't understand. He had killed Johnny in, in self-defense. Twitchell claimed that Altinger's death was nothing more than a publicity stunt gone horribly awry. He said he intended to let both men go so they would create a buzz for his film by telling people that this had actually happened to them. So when my movie came out, people would be able to say like, oh, no, 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 this actually happened to me. Like, oh, my God, the killer is actually out there. He's bad at PR, too. It's such a lie. It's such a lie. And it's so disrespectful and rude. And, like, the jury agrees. It takes them five hours for for them to find him guilty. They want me to feel like five hours isn't a long time. Like, you walk back in there, you, like, take 30 seconds, you come back and say the guy was guilty. You just, no words needed. You look around, you do the nod, right? (laughs) He peed, you guys. I know. He he wet him. He He, soiled himself. He peed. He knows. So he's sentenced to 25 to life. And now we're, we like, we go back to the beginning of this episode. Yeah. And 
his pen pal is some author, Steve. Steve Lillibuen. Lillibuen. Yeah. And Mark has written him like hundreds and hundreds of pages and ranting and raving, trying to channel Dexter and all this bullshit. Yeah, but I will say this. I really do believe that we should be getting these people to tell their stories. I believe in that very strongly yeah. that we, we there is stuff to learn from them, even if we're humoring them and letting them say the shit just so we can get like, how did you end up like this? And, and I got to tell you, like, we see some of this correspondence and he's saying like, stop. It's not that deep. He's yeah, like, I'm really I'm, not that interested. He's like, I'm just a monster. There is no key, no root cause. There's no school bully or impressionable gory movies or Showtime television series to point the finger at. It is what it is, and I am what I am. I just am what I am, you know? And in that sense, like, he's just saying, I was just born a monster, and I and I couldn't take it anymore. I will say at one point, the interviewer's like, so this guy, like, wasn't crazy? And the guy's, the author's, like, taken aback. Like, no, he's not crazy. Because, like, Steve, the author, wrote a book called The Devil's Cinema, and now yeah. we're calling The Dexter Killer. Like, have it be, like, the murder of Johnny Altinger and the yes. attack on Gilles. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So that giving it, calling him The Dexter Killer and The Devil's Cinema is exactly what he wants. Like, yeah. these stories can be told without sensationalizing it. I mean, it's kind of terrifying, the notion of the, that he's like, don't think too hard about it. Right. I was born a monster. I always knew I was going to kill somebody, and then I did. It's like the Israel Keys of it all, where he literally is saying, thank God you stopped me, because I was never going right. to stop. And like, yeah, Ed Kemper, I think, said the same thing. Yeah. But it's like, I, and that's fine. Like, I understand that. But then Steve, the author, is going to make the last 10 minutes of this thing about how charismatic this guy I is. I know. And Fuck I'm like, that. we're not doing that. No, no. So <laughs> the killer is like drawing sketches of Michael C. Hall. And to Lil Buen's surprise, even behind bars, Twitchell was able to feed his obsessions. Previously on Dexter, Mark Twitchell had actually been granted access to finish watching the series while he was incarcerated. He was able to finish the Dexter series in prison. But in 2012, some Canadian radio show know, asked wild. Michael C. Hall about this guy. Yeah. And Michael C. Hall, I don't think, was prepped for this. No. This was a total... <laughs> out of left field, as they out say. Out of left field. And Michael C. Hall is appropriately horrified. Yes. Then the killer's like, you know what? I never even liked that show anyway. I know. I know. I know. Like, then, what a fucking loser. Cut to his like, his, like, drawing of Michael C. Hall where he makes him look like Brad Pitt circa like, 1996, like, Fight Club. But but he loved it. He was the Dexter killer. He had fake accounts. Yeah. He's Dexter Morgan. And now Michael C. Hall comes out saying right. he's horrified. I never liked it anyway. <laughs> what are you talking right. about? I never said that. I know. And then, like, oh, remember Julie, the podcaster from yeah. the very beginning? She comes in to say, she, like, rounds us out by saying it's all sexually motivated. That he was, like, trying to lure men that he wanted to have sex with. I've been thinking because, about that since the minute I saw this. I'm like, Joe, I think you're wrong, girl. Because he was posing as a woman. And then he, like, describes the murder weapon sexually. I was like, I don't, I don't know. He had a wife and he was cheating on the wife with another woman. I was like, Julie, girl, I don't know about and this. And he didn't, yeah, I don't know about this either. And then it just gets worse. And in a strange twist, in 2017, he was allowed to join an online dating website for inmates. Which, you know, I find quite surprising considering the way he ended up in prison. I believe it's been taken down since then. He was allowed to join an online dating site like, in prison? What is happening? Canada! Canada. Canada, sweetheart, <laughs> I, I love you. Me same. You got a lot going on that I'm really a fan of. Yes. I couldn't agree more. What the, the fuck Anna are Green we doing? Gables series? Do you know what I mean? Without Canada, we don't have the Anna Green Gables. 75% of the stuff we shoot here that we love yes. filmed in Canada. One million percent. The healthcare love thing, Toronto. great. I'll, so, Toronto, I'll see you in December. Come great. see me. Amazing. I love Toronto too, but... 
what the fuck are we doing? I know. He's allowed to go on dating sites now? And the, 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 somebody says, like, I think that's since been taken yeah, down. Yeah, apparently the privilege has been revoked. <laughs> um, but it ends in a kind I, of confusing Canada. way. Like, Canada, girl, I what know. are we doing? You get so much Tend right. to Celine Dion. Just take care. We need her to live. We need her. I know. You know? But in 2023, it ends by saying, in 2023, the killer will be eligible for early parole, which is weird because a lot of the things I Googled said that he got life without parole. I know. But uh, maybe the system is different there. I it, They also said it's very unlikely. Yeah. He seems to not be out at this point. No, he's not. Yeah, I Googled today. We're like yeah. almost at the end of 2023. So yeah. who knows? And then that author's pen pal's stupid book might be turned into a movie. I know. To which I say, everyone just I... go watch Dexter instead. <laughs> it's flawed, but it's not this asshole. No. Enough. <laughs> Cut print. <laughs> Oh, my God. We did 48 Hours, The Dexter Killer. Oh, boy. Oh, my stars. Hey, fam, come see us at Obsessed Fest, huh? Oh, sure. October 20th to the 22nd. You're do- it's just meetups and meet and greets and panels and live shows yeah. and live tapings. All your favorite podcasters are going to be there. Yeah. Oh, and and join us on the Patreon. Oh, yeah. Why not? 350, 400 full Something ad-free like bonus that. episodes to get the second you join. You can join on Spotify, by the way. Yes. Just search Spotify for the TCO Patreon feed. That's what it's called. Yeah, and they'll walk you through the R. Go walk through it. You get a full bonus episode every week. We never skip. We do it every week. Yeah, it's amazing. I know. I know. What are we doing next? We are doing the Matthew Shepard story, an American uh, hate crime. It comes out on October 9th, and we'll be covering it right after. It's on yeah, ID. Yeah, uh, ID, we love ID. They reached out to us and asked us if we wanted to do this. We couldn't say yes fast enough. Yeah. Lots of Rosie's in it. Um, oh, great. My, my dear friend, the great historian Eric Marcus is in it. Fun. He wrote or, a blurb you know, for my book. Yeah. <laughs> Eric wrote a blurb for my book, and um, you should be listening to his podcast. It's the Making Gay History podcast. He's a genius. Amazing. Yeah. I saw Michael C. Hall as Hedwig. Did Me, you catch him? No, but I saw him in a play off Broadway and it was terrible. Oh. It was with Mamie Gummer. What's her name's daughter? Oh my God. Meryl Streep's daughter. What's her name? (laughs) That hack. Meryl. What's her name? All right, fam. We love you. (laughs) Thank you for the trailer and the outtakes and you know what to do. You know what to do. All right, love you. Bye. Bye. Love you. A student was out riding his mountain bike and he sees what he thinks is a scarecrow. You're insulted in your soul at what you see when you first come on something like that. This is a sign of rage, something very personal, something very terrifying about that. Did he seem remorseful? Not at all. Not at all. It was a gruesome discovery at this fence. A gay man, barely alive tonight. I think we all recognized pieces of ourselves in this story. At 12.53 a.m. this morning, Matthew Shepard died. I was devastated by Matthew's death. My soul ached. It reminded me how much hate there is out there. 